right, let's lift our heads and worship the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation 2, the second chapter of the book of Revelation. And while you're turning, we have some new birth certificates to give out. Now, I've got a big stack of them up here. We, we keep accumulating these, and, and what happens, uh, the service in which we have them ready. Uh, quite often the person's not here, but we do have some people here that uh, recently received the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name. Last Sunday morning, Stephen and Cheryl Robeson. I'd like for them to come to the front, they would. All right. Okay, all right. God bless these precious people. God. Then I have one for Robert Armstrong. I think Robert's here. Want him to come down to the front if he would. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. My, the Lord is good, isn't he? Let's give the Lord a big hand. How about it? Praise God. Oh, thank the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, do we have anyone else here that's recently been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost that you have not received your certificate? On front, okay. All right, uh, Sister Banks. Uh, okay. Way on the back, okay. Now, but you didn't just recently receive the Holy Ghost. It's just been a long time for you. All right. Sister Allen, we're going to have to make sure that we we get one for her. Uh, uh, Brother Thomas, if you'll just take note. Anybody else? Check with these people. And uh, we certainly want to get the certificate to you. Now, keep in mind that you have to live godly on this present world. You can't take this up to St. Peter at the gate and say... <laughs> Just a joke. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> oh, praise God. Well, I'll tell you, we haven't we had a great time tonight? All right. Praise God. We'll read our scripture and then we'll make some further comments about this. Revelation 2. Revelation 2, verse 10. Now, this is a portion of the message to the church at Smyrna. And Smyrna was a persecuted church. Verse 10, Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And I want to preach on the subject, faithful unto death. All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> you know, we just we need services like this when we hear from some of these spiritual giants among us that we don't hear much from. Leah Johnson. <laughs> I think she she actually recited that to give me much consolation, you know, much <clears throat> Telling you. For some reason, you know, when she introduced this, she kind of looked at me and smiled like, okay, Brother Grant. <laughs> here you go. And then Roy up here. I mean, I'm telling you. Is Roy in a, I don't even see Roy. 
Okay, he's, oh, he's hiding. Look at that. Now, you can't hide back there. You have too many people that will tell on you. I'll tell you. He is a block off the old chip. <laughs> Brother Whitka said, Brother Whitka said, you know, my dad wasn't a big man. And he said, I was so large when I was born. Of course, Brother Whitka, you know, is very large. Such a great gentle giant but he said they took me out and showed me to my mom and she looked at me for a long time and she looked at my dad and the nurse stood there this little nurse said huh block off the old chip Oh, praise God, praise God. And then those quizzers, didn't Allison do a great job? Telling you, Allison. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I want to talk about uh, something that I I think that is is a little bit difficult sometimes for us to understand, but but nevertheless... uh, I think that it's something that we need to uh, to just look at. That's not a deep subject or anything, but it's just something that's a little bit difficult to understand. It involves the will of God. Do you know that sometimes the most difficult thing about the will of God is just saying yes? It's the most difficult part of it. It is the most difficult part of it. Now... <clears throat> You have heard my teaching, most of you, on Christian stewardship, in which I address the situation of giving your heart to the Lord, the new birth, being born again, and I talk about giving up everything. How many of you remember what I said about that? How many of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about? Well, see, I need to, I need to know if I need to repeat this or not. All right. We have enough clueless people. I said not long ago, I said, I, I'm just tempted to tell you something to make your hair fall out. But I said, it better not tell it, because I believe some of you have heard it too much already. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Misery loves company. <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> Dave Stroud is one of the finest men that I know of. Isn't he great? <laughs> praise God. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> praise God for Dave's sake. I better not tell this again. <laughs> no. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> I've already you caused me to lose my train of thought. You know, in Hebrews 11, there is a, there is a little bit of a, a difficult situation that arises, and it's, it's summarized there. Hebrews 11, if you'll turn there, verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. Now if I'm understanding this right. It was really never God's intention for Isaac to be killed. wasn't the will of God. And this is the reason why they were spared. It was not. But there's several reasons why that I find in the scripture that this, this was done. One, Isaac is a beautiful type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And while Jesus did give his life 
we find that in type that Isaac submitted himself unto death to his father. He became willing unto death. And he reached the very point of what we would call the execution. And then God stopped him. Now, when God stopped him, if you read this in the book of Genesis, you will find that God told Abraham, Now I understand that you love me. I I would assume that it was very, very difficult for him to come to grips with this. Now, he is considered in the Scripture to be his only begotten son. Now, he did have another son. But the, the union between Abraham and Sarah, which was a miraculous situation that brought about this child in their old age, can, can you feature in your mind when God told Abraham, to offer up Isaac, how difficult that must have been. You think about it. Now, this is before the Mosaic Law was given. Now, the Mosaic Law prohibits the offering of human sacrifices. But, but this was prior to that. In fact, 400 and something years before that. So, God was not really intending on this man to offer him up. But Abraham had to be willing to give up his family for his God. And I can see this man when he receives the news and, and, and the story in my mind, I use my imagination a little bit, but the story in my mind gets even more difficult when I see him approaching Sarah's tent to tell Sarah, that the lad is going to be killed. And she dearly loved this, 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 this lad. And we call him a lad. I, I, if I'm reading the scripture correctly, and of course you have to do some, some figuring, but he possibly could have been up to 30 years of age. But he was still considered a lad until he, to, until he reached that age. But, but can, can you believe that, that? Uh, this man's going to go in and he's going to break the news. God wants Isaac. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to take him up to a mountain that God has, has ordained. God has, a, has appointed a, a place, a spot. And what are you going to do with him? I'm going to tie him up on, on the altar. Time up on the wood. Where are you going to get the wood? Well, Isaac is out picking it up now. The Bible says the lad picked up the wood. He didn't know what was happening to him. This is symbolical of the Lord bearing his cross. The wood was a symbol of death, the burning of the land. And then... I don't know too much about human nature, but I I think I've got a wife that's fairly typical. She knows how to ask all of the right or sometimes the wrong questions. And I, I can just see him trying to evade the issue somewhat. And I can see this woman probing and probing and probing. How's this going to take place? And all of a sudden, she catches sight of a fresh sharpened knife. And her eyes fall upon this knife as Abraham stands there and trembles. What are you going to do with that knife, Abraham? Cut some rope. And as she breaks the news 
that she's going to, that her son is going to be slain. He breaks this news to her. I can't, e- I can't even imagine, I can't begin to imagine what must be racing through her mind. And, and this man had to cope with all these feelings also. Can, can you possibly, in your own mind, think about what was taking place? Can you possibly see them leaving out before daylight the dimly lit tent that this woman was in? Can you possibly think of the, of the anguish, the emotional anxiety that is plaguing this woman when, when they walk by her tent and she sees this, this lad on this donkey going up to that mountain to be slain? I mean, it's death row all the way. I can see them going across the mountain. I can see the sun peeping up. I can hear the sobs of this woman in her tent. I'll assure you, she sobbed for hours and hours and hours and hours. Now, on the other hand, I, I can't really see Abraham uh, sobbing and crying the way that, that Sarah is sobbing. And it has nothing to do with the, you know, women seem to be a little more emotional than men. Sometimes men are so methodical and so mechanical about things, you know, that sometimes in their logic it they reach this point in which they're illogical. That sometimes it doesn't make sense to be so sensible. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know? And she's wondering why he is not broken like she is broken. The clue is found in the Scripture. The clue is that Abraham was such a friend of God that he believed and counted God faithful in his promise that if Isaac was slain, that God would take those ashes and raise that kid up again. Now that must be a comforting thought within itself. But he's still got to go through this. He cannot escape this. But God stopped him just short of slaying him. And he made this statement, Now do I know or I understand that you really love me. Now I talked about Christian stewardship and I talked about how we explain what takes place at an altar. Let me just go through this. You will not understand the teaching in the New Scripture, New Testament Scripture, without a good understanding of this. You see, a man must hate his father and his mother, his wife, his children, and even his own life, and take up his cross daily and follow after the Lord. And if not, he can not be the Lord's disciple. Now, hate here doesn't mean that you hate, as some people would count hating. Now, I've seen couples that stay almost in a fist fight daily. That's, that's probably real hate. But, but that is not really my explanation of the fulfilling of this scripture. It simply means that when you... When you consider the extreme sacrifice of Calvary and you become acquainted with the love of God and you you respond to that love, that your love of God so captures you, so captivates you, that the love of God that's in your heart that gives you the ability to respond back to God so far removes you from any feeling that you could have for any earthly being 
It's so distant from that that it's like love and hate. It simply means that you love them less. For this reason, then, when persecution and trouble and temptation and sorrow and heartache comes, that your love of God will sustain you and keep you. But if somehow there's ever that bringing together where you feel that anything on this earth is, is near your love for God, it's easy then when troubles come for your love for the things of this world to recapture you, to hold you. Now, when we talk about the new birth, we talk about a sinner who comes to God, let's say for the first time. And when he comes to God, he comes just as he is. You've heard the song sung. You've been to, you've been to conventions and church services where in the altar service they, they sung the chorus, just as I am. When you come just as you are. You can't get good enough to be saved. You can't get holy enough to be saved. You can't become rich enough to be saved. You can't become talented enough to be saved. Otherwise, you could be your own redeemer and you wouldn't need God. And man can become just enough of a redeemer to send his soul to hell, but never enough to save himself. He needs God. So when the man comes, he comes just as he is. Now Isaiah, when he talks about the reasoning of the Lord, this is how he puts it concerning God. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And so basically what Isaiah is saying, that, that when you come, that God begins to reason with you. Do you know that God is extremely reasonable? He doesn't just come down and just take a lot of things from you. And, you know, God, I've, I've always said, God likes to do everything good for a person that he possibly can. He, by nature, is a God that loves to bless. But the kingdom of God is run by principles, not by feelings. And so as a result, God has no respecter or is no respecter of persons. He has no respect of persons. So he runs his kingdom by principles. That's what the Bible's all about. We see it here. But here comes this man without the Lord, and, and, the, and, and while he is surrendering his life to God, there is, there is something that takes place inside of him much more than just repentance, where he's saying, God, forgive me of all. You see, in repentance there's a death, but in, to, in, in order to assure that that death or the symbol of the cross remains alive and functional in the individual's life, something else must take place. And this is where the Lord begins to reason with the individual. All of you who or under the sound of my voice can tell me, I mean, you wouldn't have a problem with this. When, if I ask you, how many of you told the Lord when, when you were saved, Lord, I'll go any place you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll say anything you want me to say. All of us that raise our hands say, yes, we did that. Let me ask you, what does that really have to do with Repentance. As we normally think of repentance. Because when we normally think of repentance, we, we normally think of, God, forgive me of this sin. I am a sinner. But now we're talking about going out. Because in order for the cross to remain functional, for us to stay dead to everything around us and alive unto Jesus Christ, there must be the breaking of the ties that we have with all earthly possessions. So, we see the man who comes to the altar, and the Lord begins to reason with him, and, and God begins to question him. And he says, Lord, I'll, 
I'll, I'll give up everything just to follow you. Now, he may not say that, but he, it takes place inside of the man. And God begins to ask him what he's willing to give up. He said, well, I don't have anything. Nothing? No, not, nothing. Nothing. I don't have anything. Just, uh, just you know, just me and my wife and, and children. Oh, you have a wife. Sure. Well, bring me the marriage certificate. But Lord, if I give you my wife, I mean, what are these precious little children going to do? Oh, you have children? Well, you know, Lord, you bless me with three children. I, yeah. John and Roy and Steve. Well, bring me their birth certificates. Well, Lord. I mean, if I do this now, I mean, it's going to be mighty alone in that house. Oh, you have a home. Well, you know, Lord, you bless me with this now. Well, bring me the deed to your home. But, I mean, without a home, I mean, I mean, what am I, where am I going to live? I mean, I got to, I, I just can't take this furniture and oh, you have furniture? Bring me the bill of sale on the furniture. God, I can't live out of the car. I mean, oh, you have a car. Bring me the title. Lord, if I didn't have a... What am I going to pull my, my travel trailer with? My boat and motor. Oh, you have a boat and motor? You have a travel trailer? Bring me those. Lord, I mean... <laughs> No place to hang my clothes. Oh, you have clothes? Yeah, bring me those. Lord, there's not going to be much. To, I mean, just a, <laughs> a few things in the cupboard. Oh, you have food in the cupboard? You see, what really takes place is that when you are born again, you surrender everything in this life to God. Now, let me ask you this. Now, just because you surrender it to God, and that is God's will, does that mean that you are to forsake all of those things from the standpoint of just saying, I'm getting a divorce, I'm going to put my children up for adoption, I'm going to sell my car? doesn't take place like that, does it? Now, I would like to insert a little warning. There are some things that you give up at Calvary that God never intends for you to reclaim. And the truth of the matter is, if people fully understood this, they'd have no problem with some of the disciplines that they find in the Bible. They give it up. Do you know that most things that you fight to retain are the things that you gave up, really, at the altar? Now, <clears throat> there are certain things. There are probably records that you listen to, tapes that you listen to, videos, let me tell you, television, and the abuse of videos is ruining America. You take it from me, it's ruining America. All kinds of literature, garbage, I mean, you give those things up. And those things should never be reclaimed. Now, when I say reclaimed, we just actually manage those things, don't we? That's what we do. Now, it simply means this, then, that the Christian cannot afford, even though he is to be steadfast in the faith, he never drives his stakes down too deep into the world. He is considered a pilgrim and a stranger. I live in a beautiful home, but it belongs to God. I'm just a steward over it. I gave that up at Calvary. I drive a beautiful automobile that you folks provide for me, uh, Sister Grant and I. I have a very handsome chauffeur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah. I just, mean, but, but it's not mine. 
It's not mine. And, and you will find that the, the hardest thing about Christianity, and it starts out with a man who first commits himself, the hardest thing about it is just saying yes to God. That, that, that is very hard. You see people wrestling. We talk about spiritual warfare. I mean, I've seen people just, you could tell they were involved in almost a wrestling match. You know, you were looking for the opponent. You've seen people do that, haven't you? And people who have problems giving up. You see, your ability to give is the only means in which you can ever measure or it is the only means and or the only conclusive proof that you have that you have conquered greed. Your ability to give. And a person who will not give is a very greedy person. And you don't have to search far in the scripture to find out what happens to greedy people. Everything you have is going to be burned up one of these days. Now, so Abraham had to say yes. Now, what he was praying about and what he potentially, I mean, wrestled with or possibly wrestled with, uh, it possibly never took place. Now, what I want to do, I'm just going to stop this line of logic. I'm going to go into something else, and then we're going to tie all this together. Matthew 25, there's a parable about the five wise and five foolish virgins. All right, Matthew 25, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps. They took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And when the, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. You ever get sleepy in church? I saw a few people nodding already. Oh, I really did. Now, I could call your name if, if you want me to. <clears throat> all right? All right, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. I think uh, if you look in the original Greek, and this is true in other translations, it says our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, I know ye not. Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now, here's what I want to talk about. You know, this parable has so many uh, symbolical things, symbols in it. Uh, and, and then, you know, we find the five wise. Who, who do you think the five wise virgins are? Who do they represent? They represent Christians. Who do you think the five foolish virgins are? They represent, who do you think? I would say Christians also. They would call virgins. Okay. What's, what's the difference in the two? Some took oil and some didn't. In other words, some saw the, uh, the uh, immense value of, of, of staying on fire and praying and others didn't. So, all of a sudden, there was a wake-up call. The wake-up call was heard by all. Now, the oil that's spoken of, what do you think the oil is? It's the Holy Ghost. Now, they had lamps. What do you think the lamps are? It's, It's probably the inner man that houses the oil. So, all right. Now, 
here's, here's something that is extremely important for us to understand. That just because you got your baptismal certificates, and this is no reflection on those who got theirs tonight, doesn't mean that, that you can go to heaven. You become uh, assured of salvation. And I believe, in, I believe in eternal security, by the way. I just want to set the record straight. Somebody, someone asked me, do you believe in the doctrine of eternal security? Yes, I do. 100% I believe in it. Now, I don't believe in unconditional eternal security. I believe that if I'm faithful, that I will receive a crown. And I believe if I'm faithful, nothing can stop me from receiving that crown. So I'm secure as long as I walk hand in hand with God. Now, the thing about it is, you will find that there were individuals praying for a renewing when the rapture took place. Isn't that something? Now, it is, it, it's amazing to me, you know, that everything on the planet Earth is not just going to stop momentarily and God's going to allow everybody that's lukewarm to, to have the opportunity to, to be saved as we would count. You've got the opportunity. It's been given to you. In other words, you could say yes tonight to God and you don't even have to wait till I finish preaching. You could be refilled right here. And you don't have to wait any longer. But you see, some of you are lingering around and you won't say yes to God because you think that the will of God is just literally going to kill you. You know, I, there, there's some of you that you've got, you've got some spiritual hang-ups. Please understand, I say this from a shepherd's heart, you've got some spiritual hang-ups all the way from paying tithing. You think that tithing is going to cost you. And you're going to, you have locked yourself into a poverty mode and you'll stay there. God's not going to let you get out of it because he has to break one of the principles of the scripture. and He won't do it. You may say, but God sees my need. God responds to faith, not needs. But, but you see, you can't get in that frame of mind where you actually believe that if you would honor God, that, that you would be blessed. So the, what is the hard thing? The hard thing is not being blessed. The hard thing is saying yes and doing it. And you'll just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And you think that all of a sudden there's going to be some break. Now, you don't have that kind of an ego, do you? You'd possibly be the person that would believe that, that, that a skyscraper would fall and everybody in it, thousands of people, be killed, but you'd be saved. You probably think an Amtrak would derail. Hundreds and thousands of people die, but you wouldn't die. That's probably the kind of ego you have. Now, if that's the ego you have, that's the reason why you need the cross in your life. I'm going to give you a chance to swallow real hard. Now, it simply means that, that there will be people that will be messing around and messing around and failing to say yes to God, and they're waiting around, and they just think that, oh, there's going to be a better day. I'm going to have a break. I'm going to make a lot of money. Let me tell you something. If you're too much of a tightwad to honor God with $100, if you had a million, you wouldn't give it up. Don't tell me. Now, I only mention this money because this is something that, well, I ought to talk about it every now and then. <clears throat> you follow what I'm saying? I mean, there are other areas, too. You know, somebody's always waiting on perfect health or feeling good or hour changes on their jobs. You know, there's always, it's just, you know, there's just something out there. Life's going to be better around the bend. But it is no better around the bend. See? Now, did you know that Jesus is going to come on a day just like today? You know, I one thing that always, I don't know, it just intrigues me. I've been to a lot of different 
school plays. I've, I've been to, I've seen our drama. You know, the lights are out up here. Christmas program, you know, the lights are out and the, the curtains are pulled and you, you, people are scrambling in the back. And, and you know, you, you, you kind of walk back there and you see everybody lined up and everybody's getting their mics and everybody's getting everything straight. And, I mean, curtain call. I mean, it's going to be just in a second. No. I, I cannot see beyond the ceiling tile. I know what's up there because I helped put a lot of it up there. But, but you see, I cannot see. I don't know what's happening in the spirit world. But I can tell you one thing that when I read my newspaper and, and, and there seems to be, there's so much unrest. But right now, I don't know that there is a better setting for the rapture of the church than right now. See, this is what this parable is talking about the the rapture of the church. I talked about until death. But death means separation, doesn't it? And did you know that when when the Lord comes back, we will be changed. In other words, it's equivalent to a death. We're changed, just like a, uh, a person whose body is placed in the ground. That body may come forth, but that body will, it is put in, corruptible. It comes up incorruptible. It's changed. Now, I wonder... Uh, Brother Eckenrod, could it be that, you know, beyond all the, the, the clouds and everything that we see, that, that somewhere on heaven's shore, that, that everybody's lining up and getting ready. And no man knows the day nor the hour, but any moment, the signal could be given. Gabriel, if he's going to blow the horn, I don't really know who's going to blow the horn. Maybe he's up there shining this up. He's getting ready. Now, see, it's going to be on a day just like today. See? Unseen to our mortal eyes, there are things that take place all the time in the spirit world. But, but, but it's there. It's happening. Did you know there's angels right here among us? I believe that. I actually believe that. Sure, I believe that. The Bible says. Yeah, I really believe that. Now, some people place so much emphasis on the devil. You know, they say, oh, the devil's here and all that. I, I You know, if he's here, I'm going to ignore him. You know. <clears throat> Years ago, people just let animals run out, you know, we didn't have leash laws and such. Had a lot of stray dogs, a lot of stray cats. Every now and then, a little kitten would be outside. We'd be eating supper or something. We hear meow, meow, meow. You go, here's a little stray cat. Oh, I tell you, nothing is prettier than a little old kitten. You know, they grow up though. They're little puppies, they're just a ball of fur. They grow up. But mom and dad says, that's a stray. How do you know? Well, strays are never fat. You notice that? You know, people, there, there are certain Christians who are like that. They like to be footloose and fancy free. I belong to everything and everybody. And, and, and we don't want no strings attached to any congregation or anything. The ribs are showing. Their backbone's showing. That's what, that's what happens to strays. Boy, we had an old half hound and half bulldog. We kept him tied up all the time, and he was so fat he could hardly walk. He didn't have to go out and beg at somebody's door. But this is what my mom always said. Son, don't feed that cat. If you feed that cat, you won't get rid of that cat. I said, well, just a little bit, he'll go on. No, he won't go on. You know, if the devil's here, he's not going to get one thing from me. I'm going to totally ignore him. I'm going to go in and out just like he's not any place around. Praise God. But nobody knows the day nor the hour. Now, there may be a whole lot of devils someplace parked around here. I don't know. 
But I do know that God is here. He promised He'd be here. Jesus is, is alive and well among us. And there are many, many spirits that are here that are assisting us and strengthening us and granting to us knowledge and wisdom. That's Scripture. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. But inasmuch as I believe that they're here, I also believe that the stage could be set right now on the balconies of heaven for the blowing of the trumpet that will call the church home. I believe that with all my heart. Soon, in the not-too-distant future, I know it's going to happen. Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew 24, 43, also in Peter's epistle, that the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. It talks about two people in the bed, one should be taken, the other left. Two grinding at the mill, one should be taken, the other left. The Bible says the other left. Two working in the field, one should be taken, the other left. Now, that just simply means that there's going to be the parting of the ways between the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, I, uh, I, I hope that you, that, that you understand when I'm finished exactly where I was coming from. In Luke 19, he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds, and he said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now, if I'm understanding this scripture correctly, if you read the context, they, occupy didn't just mean sit on the premises. It means stand on the promises. In other words, be submissive to God's will. Do what God wants you to do. You know, sometimes we talk about the coming of the Lord. I've even had people that come up and ask me, said, Brother Grant, we're talking about building a building. You think we'll get this building built? I don't know. But we're not going to stop. You think we'll ever have time to occupy this building? I don't know. But we're, we're just going to go right ahead. I think that's what the scripture teaches us. It's saying yes to the will of God. You know, in other words, there's not going to be a time which God's going to come down and say, okay, stop right now. There's no need to pay your tithing anymore because nobody's going to be able to spend it. He's not going to stop and say, okay, don't teach any more Bible studies because nobody else is going to be saved. It's not going to be that way. He's not going to come down and say, stop supporting missions because the money will never get overseas. He's not going to come down and say, don't go to church tonight because by the time you get there, everybody's going to be gone, including yourself. It's not going to be that way. God will be calling someone to go to a city that will say yes to the call of God that will never go to that city because there won't be enough time. But you see, this is the principle by which God operates. The will of God is so important. The fulfilling of the will of God starts with a simple Y-E-S. Yes. Some young man will say yes to the calling of God to preach the gospel that will never preach one sermon. Does that mean it isn't important for God to call him? Does that mean it's not important for him to say yes? It's extremely important. That yes is important to God. Someone will be seeking God for a companion with life, for life. And God may even say, that is the man or that is the woman. And they will never be united in holy matrimony. Someone will be on a plane traveling to their distant continent overseas where they are to preach the gospel and their plane will never land with them aboard. I believe that. I believe that's what occupy till I come means. Why? They have sought God's will. But all of a sudden, there is a greater picture that comes into focus. Because you have been faithful in the small things now. 
I'm going to make you ruler over many. Some of you will say yes, that you'll teach your very first home Bible study. And you'll be sitting down to a table someplace explaining to a person how important it is that when they open their Bible, they open their heart. And you'll never teach one lesson because the rapture will take place. There will be some of you that will be on your way to testify or witness to some lost soul. And you'll never reach your point of destination. Because everything is going to continue. He comes as a thief in the night. I have sought God's will about so many different things. And I'm not saying that in any way should we say yes with the anticipation that it would never happen. Because that's not a true yes. Don't say yes. Feeling, well, if I say yes, God is somehow just going to back off. That's not it. I think of what some people have sacrificed for to preach the gospel. Uh, you know, I, I read this from the book of Hebrews concerning Abraham. I, I'm here to tell you, I, my my heart was moved when I heard, you know, but be, be, before the Iron Curtain came down. You know, we, we heard so many stories about people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in, in the Soviet Union. And then one of our missionaries came by, and he addressed the general board in St. Louis, and I happened to be there when he told this story. He said, would you believe that while I was in Russia, a young man, a young man from one of the underground churches, he had such a burden to preach the gospel, his dad was dying in prison. And he thought, why should I be a free man? And he said, these people would never hear the things that dad uh, is giving his life for. And you know what he did? He found a pair of handcuffs, kind of toy-type handcuffs, but he found them. And he went right outside on Red Square with the Kremlin. And he found this wrought iron fence. And he took and handcuffed himself to that. And with the other hand, he opened the Bible and he began to preach the gospel. His plan was, at least people will hear enough before they cut me loose that somebody perhaps will find God. You know what happened to him? Our missionaries saw him cut loose and carted off to prison. I don't know where he is now or what he's doing. I did find out later that his dad died in prison. Huge sores on his dad's body as a result of of insect bites and parasites and such in these jail cells. Now, I could turn the tables on this story, and perhaps I should for the sake of any person here who... Uh, has never found the Lord in the power of the Holy Ghost. In other words, inasmuch as I have made these statements and I believe these all to be true, it could be that you'd be that person that'd say yes to that Bible study. That perhaps your teacher would never be able to share the gospel to. You would say, that sounds unfair. Oh, does it? You have an opportunity tonight. See, that's why the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. You might be that pilot in the plane taking a missionary to a foreign field. You may be the person sitting with that missionary. That missionary may be witnessing to you. It's going to take place, let me tell you. It's going to take place. I believe it. I believe it because the Bible says it. You may be that person that's just down to the altar praying for the Holy Ghost. But you see, somebody's going to be praying for the Holy Ghost when the Lord comes. Somebody's going to be hearing the message for the first time. Somebody's going to be taught a Bible study for the first time. You may say, all of this seems so unfair. But let me tell you, it's not going to just wrap up and God's just not going to let anybody hear for a long period of time and, and get everybody ready. That's not the way it's going to be. 
Not according to my interpretation of the scripture. It's not going to be that way. Now, the thing about it is, you know, the, the bottom line is, if you want to be ready to go to heaven, all you have to do is just be faithful. Faithful unto death. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, Moreover, is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful? I don't know what tomorrow will bring for me. You know, I've been in this church for 24 years. This coming August will be 24 years, the last week of August, 24 years. Brother Hollis, you know, he's, I, I, I'll call it, I found it quite be, to be quite humorous. He stand up here. He said, I preach so much here. I, I hope I didn't repeat this. I told him later, I said, well, what, you know, how many times have you preached here? He said, oh, I've preached here, let's see, probably three full months. I said, I've preached 24 years. <laughs> I mean, man, it keeps you digging, you know, it keeps you scratching. <clears throat> Some of this stuff you've heard over and over and over and over and over and over, you know. But you know the thing about it is, <laughs> you, you find evidence in the Scripture. That's what the, in Peter's epistle, he said, there were people that would say, well, all things continue as they were from the beginning. They, they're scoffers traveling after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? You know, you need to purpose in your heart tonight, every one of you, whether you're saved or unsaved, you need to purpose in your heart to say yes to the will of God. Now, you don't understand it all. Now, I, I don't either. I don't understand it all. I just marked an old, old hymn. This is one I don't even know that you know. But, you know, this is, it's called Farther Along. Tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. 334. You have a hymn book there? Just get it and open it up. I might even preach from this. I might even sing from it. Now, look at, look at this. When death has come and taken our loved ones, it leaves our home so lonely and dear. Then do we wonder while others prosper, living so wicked year after year. And then verse 3. Faithful till death said, our loving master, a few more days to labor and wait. Toils of the road will then seem as nothing when we sweep through those beautiful gates farther alone we'll know all about it farther alone we'll Understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. I'm probably in the wrong key, and she probably won't be able to find it. When we see Jesus, now I'm on a roll, don't mess me up, <laughs> coming in glory, when he comes from his home in the sky, then shall we meet him in that Bright mansion will understand all by and by. Sister Grant, you cannot find where I am. Okay, Brother McDonald, he's ready to come up here. He's going to help us out on this. 
I want to sing this, and it's an old, old hymn. Praise God. Just take your hymn books. Don't even stand up yet, okay? Okay. All right. Don't don't stand. Just sit right where you are, and let's just... I want you to just soak in, you know, faithful till death. It's just saying yes to God. Whatever God's will is for your life. Let's start with verse 1. Tempted and tried, we oft made to wonder why it should. 